Welcome to the OFD Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Voles, site manager at OneFootDown.com, uh, part of the SB Nation Network. And tonight we got uh, kind of a big podcast uh, stemming out of nowhere. Uh, we got Brad Wechter with us. Uh, say hello, Brad. Hello. And we got Jude Seymour with us. Say hello, Jude. Good, night, good morning, good evening, whatever we are. <laughs> and special out of the cave is Lino Garcia. Coming on to talk some hockey. What's up, buddy? Yo, big weekend. Huge weekend, huge weekend. So, hey, before we get into all that, I just want to let everybody know that we are going to be talking uh, women's basketball I'm gonna, on the next week's podcast. Um, this is a big group. So we're going to bring on Matt Green, um, or I'm going to try to get Matt on next week, and we'll talk of that. They'll still be playing. They're going to keep winning, so it's all good. Uh, but we'll try to get Matt on next week and talk that. But um, you know, in the meantime, but just to stay on the hoops here, we got some contests going on one foot down. Look, there are no prizes. I cannot offer you anything other than that eternal glory and just that sheer, like, you know, power you can hold over everybody by winning these things. You go to the site and we have two different ones for the men and for the women. Uh, there'll be a link on there. Click on that. It's through ESPN stuff. Uh, so Go ahead and join us and uh, see how much smarter you are at uh, both men and women's hoops than we are. And I, I imagine it's probably at least a, a lot more to me. Uh, so now that we got that out of the way, um, hey, we're just going to get right on into it with uh, hockey. Look, huge weekend coming up. Uh, big things went down. Notre Dame keeps winning, uh, keeps winning in the Big Ten tournament here. Ohio State, the regular season winner, goes down to Penn State in Columbus. So now the Big Ten Championship game is coming back to South Bend, going to be in the Compton Family Ice Arena. And uh, this is it. This For Notre Dame, it's been playoff hockey. If they win this game, they get the automatic big to go into the NCAA tournament. If they lose this game, more than likely they're not going to be in the NCAA tournament. Um, so, Lito, uh, what's, the, what's the scoop, man? What, what do you got? Penn State's like what? Like the – like they're like the – Highest scoring team in the country, am I right? Like literally the high, the highest team. Oh my god, it's insane! It's like those old New Orleans Saints teams back in the day that would put up like fifty points a game. They're uh, they, they're far and away the highest scoring team, not only in the Big Ten but in the entire Division One, and uh, by a pretty wide margin too. It's really not even close. So luckily, in the the four contests that the, that the Fighting Irish have had with them this year. They've kept it pretty close with the exception of one, which was a disastrous 9-1 to um, victory for the Nittany Lions back in December when, if you remember, Cal Morris was pulled pretty early in that game, and uh, it was the last game before the semester break. So that, that was definitely one to forget. But aside from that, they, pay, they played them pretty close. Every game has been decided by one goal, and the teams have split the season series thus far. So, you know, that was – three months ago, and uh, I, I really like this matchup. Like you had alluded to a minute ago, this has been – both teams are uh, are fighting for their tournament lives here. Uh, in the pairwise rankings right now, you got Notre Dame uh, tied with Providence for 14th, and then Penn State at 16th. So 
yeah, good chance whoever loses this is going to be out, and whoever wins it is going to get that auto bid. Ohio State, even though they lost last week, looks like they're still going to be making the tournament. They're at number seven right now, so they won't get to hang a Big Ten banner, but looks like they're still going to be playing in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's been pretty live. I've Look, I love college hockey, and college hockey has really brought me back into the sport um, uh, re- over the last few years. And it's, I've noticed that atmosphere with, with, what's the difference right now with this team? I guess I've noticed, I've noticed a, a change in what they've been doing, but I, I, I'm not technically sound enough in the game of hockey to like really put my finger on it. And mm-hmm. I guess like, you know, they lost to Mercyhurst earlier in the season. You know, they, they, the reason why they're in, in this position right now is because of some bad losses. And what what seems to be the difference uh, for Notre Dame right now? Well, yeah, they, they tripped up a little bit coming out of the gate. I had mentioned that semester break a little bit earlier. Um, you know, when they came back, they lost uh, they lost three conference games right in a row. In a row after that, they really bounced back. And uh, two things that I've noticed: first of all, we're noticing the play of a lot of freshmen. Their 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 play is impacting the outcomes of these games. Uh, for example, in the last game against Minnesota's freshman uh, Michael Graham, who uh, scored the uh, power play goal in, in the opening minute of overtime, it was a little bit controversial fashion. A lot of people, uh, especially in Minnesota, didn't think that they, they the Irish should have even been on the power play at that point in time. Uh, but that's a perfect example of how it's not just you know the first line that, that we're seeing that's that's racking up the points for this team. And another thing that I've noticed. And if you recall, I mean, last year, Cal Morris was just unstoppable. Uh, he won the Richter, had a great season. And uh, this year, he's, at least since the Big Ten tournament has started, he's looked like his old self, whereas earlier in the season, uh, yeah, Dylan St. Cyr, we're, we're seeing a lot more of him. Morris wasn't getting as many starts, but he's really turned it on here, I'd say, since uh, mid-February. And... You know, he, he played great against Michigan State, had a great game against Minnesota last weekend. So, um, and he's still a finalist for the Richter this year, correct? Correct. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, he's got a lot to prove, and he's going to be going up against the best, best offense that he could possibly face all season. So that's a matchup that I'm really excited for. Now, this is going to be kind of a, a question that, uh, that you may not have an answer for, and that's, that's perfectly fine. But this is the second year for Notre Dame being in the Big Ten. And have you been been able to follow Notre Dame closely long enough to tell like the difference between what they were doing and what they're and how they're playing now? Because they were was it it was Hockey East, right? Well, they were in Hockey East for a little bit, but prior to that, they were in the CCHA. Yeah. And uh, growing up, you know, I, I've lived in, in the Detroit area my whole life. So they were in the same conference as Michigan and Michigan State, who are obviously, you know, that's college hockey out here is pretty big. Um, so, yeah, I remember them playing in the uh, CCHA tournament, which used to be a Joe Louis Arena. Shout out Detroit Red Wings, Liz for Hughes. Um, but what I notice right now is I think – It just seems like the team has more confidence in Jeff Jackson. And what I compare it to is you see how Mike Bray, I know this isn't the best year to be saying this, but I truly believe that Mike Bray has turned around the basketball program just recruiting. And, you know, he's the guy the players want to play for. I see the same thing in Jeff Jackson. And uh, he's one of the more respected 
head coaches in all of college hockey. So, you know, he's, he's, it's kind of like, um, you know, like I said, it's very similar to what Bray has done with the basketball program. Um, that's just the common theme year after year. They lost a lot of guys from their uh, tournament run a couple of years ago, lost a lot of guys from the team last year that were really impactful, you know, Jake Evans being one of them. Um, but they still, the fact that these younger, the younger players are still contributing just goes to show you that he's constantly, it's, it's a revolving door of talent that he's bringing in here. And uh, the players love playing for him. And I'll tell you what, Jeff Jackson, he's a pretty blunt guy, isn't he? Oh, yeah. I, I, I've, I've, I didn't listen to any press conferences last year. And, I, and I'm, I'm being totally honest here. I'm working my way back into the, the whole hockey spectrum. It's a huge mm-hmm. – like, we've talked about this before. It's a huge Red Wings fan, right? But when the strike happened, I just kind of drifted away a little bit. Mm-hmm. Still love the game. Notre Dame being good has helped but bring me back in. Uh, to watch a little more hockey, which growing up was one of my favorite sports. Uh, and so this year I, I really made it a point to pay more attention to everything involved with the program, just kind of have my as much as I can, uh, my finger on it. And l- just last week's press conference, I love Jackson talking about, like, as cold as it was about reviews. And it, mm-hmm. it, wasn't, it wasn't light. It was like reviews are killing the game. Right. And what he talked about was, you know, that first goal of the game, uh, you know, a fairly quick goal, Notre Dame gets momentum. And in a, ho- in a hockey game, especially a, a playoff caliber hockey game, momentum can be huge. And he said, you know, he said right there, it killed us. Um, what, what do you, A, what do you think about, what do you think about the way Jackson, how Jackson is, his uh, personality with the media? And then B, uh, comment on his comment there. Uh, do you feel the same way about the reviews? Uh, well, yeah, first of all, you know, I, I love how he is with the media. I think that's what you need. I think his style is a lot, it's tailored a lot more for college hockey versus the NHL. Um, you know, you don't see a lot, you don't see too many guys who find success in the NCAA and then go to the NHL. But at the same time, you know, he's prior to Notre Dame, he was at Lake Superior State, uh, got a really long uh, career uh, as, as both a head and assistant hockey coach. I mean, he's been, I think, uh, he, he played at Michigan State and there was like an injury that forced him to end his playing career pretty early. And he's just, he's been coaching ever since then. So he's got that old school mentality, which which I think is, is huge to run a successful program right now. Um, and then your second question, as far as what he said about uh, about replay, I think absolutely. It's not, and that's not even something that's limited to hockey. I mean, um, you know, not to kind of change subjects too much, but, you know, you look at everything that's that's going on with Major League Baseball right now and their problems with replays, slowing the game down. I mean, it's not that, not that much of a difference here. Um, and in a game like hockey, I mean, I think momentum plays even a bigger factor than in baseball. So, yeah, I agree with everything that uh, that he said in your assessment there of how replays like this are definitely going to gonna hurt the game because it's – it's hurting the team that has the momentum at that point. It's like, okay, well, we got to wait for this replay. We don't know if this goal is going to count or whatever the case may be. And then it's kind of like, you know, almost like a uh, an intermission where it's just going to break up that you, what you have going for you and in the flow of the game. So definitely with him on that one. All right, and then look, uh, we've we've already talked about Penn State's uh, scoring prowess, and Notre Dame is is really no more as a defensive team. 
They keep mm-hmm. they keep game scores down low. Um, I guess in a game like this, uh, if you know this winner takes all kind of a situation, wh- what would you rather have uh, going into that going into that matchup? And and do you think Notre Dame? I, I mean, how do you think they match up? Uh, I mean, we, we of course we've already seen them play Penn State uh, mm-hmm. a few times this year, but I mean, how, how do you see that matching up? in a game like this? I really do like the matchup for Notre Dame because I've always been of the mindset um, in hockey. You see this in the NHL all the time. Uh, if a goaltender is hot and defense is hot, then I'd rather have that over an explosive offense. You know, I, I really subscribe to the whole defense wins championships mentality. And uh, like I had mentioned earlier, uh, back-to-back sweeps against Michigan State, holding Min- Minnesota to only one goal. Uh, I, I, like the, I like the way the matchup will play out for them. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I'm, I'm not downplaying Penn State's offense. You know, they have uh, three forwards who I think they all had uh, 18 goals or more this season, which is something that, uh, that not a lot of skaters in the Big Ten could say. So um, I'm definitely not taking this Penn State offense lightly if I'm Notre Dame. But at the same time, I'm feeling confident because you've got a great defense and you've got a guy be- between the pipes that – he has that experience. He made it all the way to the championship game last year. For a lot of the season, he carried the team on his back. Um, so I, I, I'm putting my faith in him. I think he's going to get the job done. Yeah, he's, he's uh, stopped 80 of 81 shots uh, uh, in the three postseason game, games uh, so far. Mm-hmm. So he's been, he's been incredible. Against really and, good uh, offenses, too. Not, I mean, not on yeah, the Michigan, same level Michigan State, game. for as low as they were in the Big Ten rankings, um, mm-hmm. They, you know, have they have one of the best uh, scorers in the game. Uh, they had the big, yeah, big Ten Player of the Year just announced. Yeah, yeah. So okay, yeah. So uh, you know, it did a hell of a job. So I, I like our chances as well. Um, so Saturday night, eight o'clock, winner takes all. Uh, you can watch it on the Big Ten Network, not that bullshit ass uh, Big Ten Network Plus, which is the worst thing I've ever watched in my life. Um, <laughs> Listen, if, yeah. if, if tickets are still available and you're up in the South Bend area, I highly recommend uh, you venturing on over to Compton and uh, taking this game in. It, uh, like I said, if tickets are still available, um, this should be – this is going to be a – if you love sports, if you love playoff atmosphere, be just – if you love to be in that kind of atmosphere, that's what Compton's going to be like. Uh, I think it's going to be incredible. Yeah, home ice is just they they had home ice throughout the Big Ten tournament last year, and you saw that how that worked out for them. You know, Big Ten champions in their inaugural season, and they just barely got the two seed in the Big Ten tournament this year. So they they were able to get it by one point over Minnesota, and that's a perfect example of why winning those games in January, February, and getting as many points as you can is so important because you know one point less than what they finished with, they're in a different spot right now. And they might not be able to be hosting the Big Ten championship game at home for the second year in a row. And what's great, too, is that no Big Ten team has won the Big Ten conference twice. Right. So Notre Dame, and this is just like I can feel my my soul on fire uh, in a horrible way. Like, you know, like – like if you have a dream of like a demon rising from the from the earth and like putting his fist in your in your chest and slowly pulling your soul out, 
that's mm-hmm. kind of what being in the Big Ten and anything feels like. And their name has a chance to be the first Big Ten school to win the conference twice in a row at hockey. I think it's uh, – if it's not evil, it's funny. So Yeah, yeah uh, it's a battle of heavyweights. Penn State won it two years ago. So Yeah, yeah. So one way or the other. Ohio State still has not uh, – or, or is, does Ohio State have a championship? Uh, I no, they haven't. I'm I'm yep. almost. Po- I'd have to look it up, but I'm almost positive they haven't. Uh, Wisconsin like has one. Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So listen, like I said, catch that Saturday night, eight o'clock. Big Ten title on the line. NCAA tournament on the line. Uh, the drive for the Frozen Four. Uh, it's happening. You know, it, it's not starting. It's it's been going on. Uh, that's what these guys are working for uh, throughout this tournament, and uh, it's gonna be great. Yep, winner take all. All righty. All right, so spring football. Let's get into it. Came back today from spring break. We have uh, no injuries uh, on the beaches. Uh, If if you follow these guys on Twitter and Instagram, um, you know, they've been – all the guys have been everywhere. No injuries, no arrests. Uh, So we're in the clear there. And that may sound ridiculous, but – that is my biggest worry. <laughs> so I imagine what I'm going to be like when my my own kids uh, are that age when I when I don't let them go. Um, but uh, so they're back at it, and media wasn't open to practice today. But we did get Brian Kelly uh, up on the mic uh, to answer some questions. And and Jude, we're going to bring you in here. And, and was there anything that that stuck out? Uh, you know, that stood out to you uh, from what Kelly said today, or or is it pretty much par for the course? You know, I'm going to admit something embarrassing. Um, I honestly forgot there was a guy named DJ Brown on our team. Uh, so I was pleasantly surprised to hear um, Coach Kelly talk him up today and talk about his progress and the move from, uh, I believe, cornerback to safety. Um, he wasn't committing to the full bit. He said he looked good on 7-7, seven and seven, but he had to see how he would do in 11-on-11. Um, but that kind of stuff is encouraging. Um, I, like you, I was listening for, for injury updates. Um, apparently Sebo Flemister had a, uh, patella tendon strain, but it's back now. Uh, Jamie and Franklin and Hunter Spears are still sidelined. Joe Wilkins has some sort of cartilage thing. He didn't seem to get into that. I'm not sure. I didn't. For get Spears. The, yeah. I didn't get the sense that that was serious. Um, uh, Jack Kaiser apparently has a pre-existing shoulder condition that needs some sort of scoping. Yeah. Uh, we do that before going into spring ball. Right. So, uh, you know, apparently they tried to, uh, you know, do some sort of weight regimen to see if they could get it to correct itself and it, and it hasn't taken. So I don't know if surgery is the next, he didn't really elaborate. So I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure on that. Well, I think, mm-hmm. I think when it was announced that I, it's a labrum. So I'm, I'm pretty sure he's having surgery. Okay. I, I don't know how, I don't know how all the like labrum seem to be the hot injury right now. Kind of like, um, hamstrings were a few years ago uh i'm not exactly sure where if there's different degrees if it's just torn or strained or whatnot but it would um but obviously it's an injury that you can play with um you probably just don't i mean the jerry tillery proved uh this season and dante vaughn uh for that matter uh so i think it was it was something they kind of knew about like you said it was pre-existing right i mean it's not that we were expecting jack kaiser to to make a dent in the, in the linebacker rotation uh, especially since we knew that the injury was there. Um, Special teams, though. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, you know, Tim O'Malley's been beating this drum pretty hard on the Irish Illustrated podcast, but the lack of talk about Kevin Austin, I think, is is got to the concerning level. Uh, you talk about a guy who was seeing the field early in this in, uh, early last season and then didn't travel for the last two games of the regular season. Um, something feels like it's going on there. And I don't think that. Yeah, that the... uh, I'm just agreeing with you. I, that is to me, that's very concerning because that's not, this isn't something we haven't seen before. Uh, you know, Dexter Williams is case in point. Everyone's screaming for Dexter to get into the football game. And I get, you know, when Kelly says traits, it could be just about anything, but it generally means that, uh, you're not getting, you're not getting any PT. I mean, he, I, as far as I know, he hasn't used the T word with Kevin Austin. Um, you know, at least not, he didn't, he, it was weird. He didn't even mention him. He mentioned every single wide receiver except for Kevin Austin. And, you know, you could say, well, it, it's not a big deal because, um, you know, he, he named eight of the nine or whatever it is, but, um, you know, s- stuff like that is sort of a big deal. And so I think it will be imperative when the media gets in there and they can actually view the practice with their own eyes. Uh, you know, where's, where's Kevin Austin? If is, is he running with the twos, the threes? Is he not running at all? Right. Um, you know, is he, I think it's it... a, it's a huge deal to me because of all those names that he listed off, none of those guys were playing early as a freshman. You know, he, he separated himself from the pack last year, very early in the season as a guy who can play at that level. And for what, whatever is going on, and then towards the end of the season, he doesn't even travel. And so whatever's going on is concerning because, look, for whatever reason, Notre Dame is cursed when it comes to Florida f- football players. I mean, this, and that could have absolutely nothing to do with it. But lo and behold, there is where Kevin Austin is from. And so, you know, not to be a conspiracy, conspiracy theorist on it, but it just seems to be something going on. And I – you know, look, I have no idea if it's something off the field or if it's something in the classroom or if it's just – or if Kevin Austin is just trying to grow up from, you know, a kid to an adult. And, you know, sometimes those take different paths. But it is concerning because, like I said, he was the guy that separated himself and was, that be, became a part of that rotation, uh, even, you know, putting himself above a guy like Michael Young. So, you know, th- this is this is the guy that was supposed to really – step into whatever spot was there once you know with Boykin being gone and so this is I think I don't think I think O'Malley is absolutely correct in beating that drum and he probably should beat it louder because I think this is very important to uh to the offense moving forward yeah. I mean just I, I mean I gotta agree with you there when when punter Jay Bramblett and Jacob Lacey when those guys are getting named off but Austin isn't like what's what's going on right yeah, it's. I mean, in these and these pressers, it's kind of a an easy way to for Kelly just to to rattle off the roster, you know, especially the way that you know the questions are asked, and it, that is absolutely says something when he doesn't mention his name in yes. any manner at all. Like it's like, look, not, not that he's washing his hands of him, but that he's it's just not on his radar, and that's not a good sign for a guy that's looking to get reps uh, with the first team. I also thought that the questions today kind of reflected um, how 
uh, insane our, our our fan base or maybe the subscriber base of of some of these outlets is that we <laughs> you know that we're getting questions uh, about the nickel coverage, about the exact uh, linebacker configuration, and about who might be the third best running back on the team. Um, all of which are important, but in practice four of <laughs> 15, I, I'm not sure that we would really, I mean, Kelly said, you know, like NCAA rules uh, limit the amount of tackling we can do. So we haven't really tackled in these practices. So <laughs> I'm not really sure what you could tell about um, who you got and, and the best configuration for, for and answer really the, you know, those questions, honestly, uh, if you're not, if you're not actually bringing running backs to the ground, right? Yeah, and he talked about we look, we were working on second down stuff today. You know, like like they're they're uh, very much walking and uh the, the fan base, you know, we're in you know, we got a good sweat moving from our jog, uh, you know, moving forward. But you know, the questions about the nickel and stuff like that, look, I have been beating this nickel drum since preseason when Sean Crawford went down and and I was dismissed by a few people like, oh, you know, he, he's not a starter. And I'm looking at some of our commenters and readers like, you, you got, you got to be fucking nuts. This guy is a starter. He's a starting nickel. And this is, and while, the, you know, they're not out there all the time, you need the nickel and you need the nickel back to be as good as what Crawford, you know, is. And what was interesting today was this is the first time, this is pointed out by other outlets as well. This is the first time that Kelly didn't really have a whole lot of confidence in what he was saying about Sean Crawford and coming back from that injury. Now, you know, I don't think anyone needs a reminder, but Crawford's had some major injuries, not just minor stuff. We're talking ACL tears, got an Achilles, and for a defensive back with all the change of direction. And he look, he's not a big guy as it is anyway. You know, he's taken, he's he's got a beaten every once in a while. So for Kelly to go up there and say that, that you know, the hope, you know, be 100% and just the way, the tone in which he said it and the words in which he used, we're really now pointing in the direction of this may not happen, guys. I mean, Sean Crawford, and we've seen this before, you know, we've gone into spring and a guy with an injury passes is practicing and going through it or even sitting out, but he's still a part of the team and all that. And then after the spring or sometime in spring, it's announced that, you know, so-and-so is, on, you know, basically a medical hardship. Um, I don't know if that would be the case with Crawford because I think he's going to want to give everything he has uh, on the field first before that decision is made. But that might be a possibility come fall. Does, does that cross your mind at all? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that what happened today – um, in the in the comments that he made, you know, underscored the fact that he's had three season ending injuries in three in in four years, right? So um, this has been, you know, Sean Crawford is 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 if he's available and one hundred percent, then then he's going to be uh, either the starter or heavily in this mix for this for this nickel rotation. If he's not, what are we looking at? Houston Griffith, maybe? Um, uh, no, I mean. I mean, Kyle Griffiths Hamilton. is going to is is battling at the boundary, and I, I think what's been pointed out is that, I mean, well, you know, they got Avery Davis kind of over there a little bit, but what's pointed out is Kyle Hamilton to show up. Kyle Hamilton, and I and I think that, you know, much like Griffith 
as a freshman playing at the Nickelback last year, um, I think Cal Hamilton is basically their answer, but they just can't say that right now. You know what I mean? Right. And I, I think, I think Kelly alluded to it, right? He said that oh, yeah. problem might take care of itself or words to that effect. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And he's, and that's not a first time he's said something like that in regards uh, to Hamilton. He said that, um, you know, to start the spring really. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a big deal. You know, this is whatever recruiting rankings you want to use. This is a, a five-star caliber, you know, recruit, you know, coming in people are, especially, you know, fans, they want to know what's going on, you know, with this guy. And by all accounts, he's in the game plan right now. It's just a matter of him getting on campus in June, learning the defense and, you know, getting some reps because, you know, look, if Sean Crawford can't go, you're right. I mean, they, they, they could move Griffith right back, right on back to nickel. It would be an, an easy, um, easy learn for him. But then you're still trying to figure out who's going to be at the boundary um, because they're keeping uh, Troy Pride Jr. over at the field and, you know, and moving DJ Brown the spring, which may not be a full-time move, but they're moving him back to, you know, they're moving about safety this spring uh, just for a numbers reason. Um, you're, you're kind of wondering what's going to happen. Is it, does Noah Boykin have a great spring? You know, we're going to find out more about what these guys can do. They're going to get plenty of reps um, throughout the spring, but that, is a concern because I think some of the, in a lot of ways, Notre Dame's biggest weakness on defense last year was at the nickel for sure. And I, I, we saw that against, I, th- I thought we saw that against Vanderbilt um, quite a bit and you saw it against Clemson uh, for sure. So, uh, you know, it, Kelly's right. This is a problem that could end up figuring itself out, but they're just gonna have to try to figure out something in the meantime, you know, in the spring. Brad, was there anything else that uh, that you saw from today that uh, that popped your eyes a little bit? Uh, not really. I think we touched on a lot of it. I mean, like just to speak to your point, uh, the defensive backfield. Like, yeah, it could be a problem that figures itself out. But at the same time, like, there's other guys that we're not talking about, like Bracy and, and and people like that. That I don't know where they fit. And I think that goes back to my point that I said a few weeks ago, where I, I think it'd be interesting to see where it all falls into place. But if you look at the schedule, there's a lot of difficult games very early on where if it's not falling into place, that's going to be a problem. And I think that's, uh, that's why um, Coach Kelly is, is not super confident and is not speaking too well about this group right now. And that's, 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 uh, that's going to be very interesting to watch and, and could cause a lot of anxiety around the fan base and around the team early on in the season. Josh, I'm not even sure we're supposed to show up to Georgia. I mean, the the betting services already have and a half. Hey, we're we're, we're, we're gonna get we're gonna get to that uh, later in the podcast. Hold your. Let's person. get to it now, damn it! No, we will we will get to that. God damn it! I'm the fucking emperor. We're gonna get to this it. is the organic conversation you wanted, man. I I know it, but uh, I have well, there's something that we we're, we're forgetting to mention, and uh, so I wanted to bring that up first. Come on, guys. Um, <laughs> Lay it on us. <laughs> no, but I think one of the more interesting things was the way Kelly compared going back to the wide receivers, the wide receivers and the linebackers. Because he was at he was asked if the wide receivers were like the linebackers, and he's like, "Oh no, you know we got we got two guys solid right now, you know with with Claypool and Fink, and we're looking for a third." And with the linebackers, going back to what we've what's been said over and over again. They're really trying to find what uh, what combo that they want to quote unquote marry um, 
<laughs> you know, for the season. And I, but I think it just says a lot about, <clears throat> excuse me, what, what this spring's all about. And as much as we're really interested in knowing what's that wide receiver um, with that third guy, the linebacker, I think it definitely is probably the most important, I, I guess in my eyes, position, uh, what's going to happen there moving forward. Is that entirely too inaccurate? See, that's another thing where I'm going to go back to my surprise where we were having our conversation about potential captains and why no one had any faith in Esmer Bilal. <laughs> I just, I just, I don't, I think he's the next guy to take that step. And maybe that's complete conjecture. And, and Jude, feel free to like clap back at that. I just, I, I'm still confused about that. I, I, I feel like he's the next guy in. I mean, I think I've laid out the, the, the reasons why I don't think Asmar Bilal is going to be captain. But I also think sure. that, you know, he started every game on a playoff team last year, and that cannot be discounted. He's got a spot. It's just what is the right combination? What is the right elixir? Right? And, uh, and Brian Kelly fully admitted today that he, he doesn't know it, and he's going to continue to play with uh, different combinations until he find one, finds one that, uh, you know, Clark Lee and he agree upon. All right. All right. All right. Well, that's all. I mean, that's all we got today. We got about 15 minutes of Brian Kelly. We did get a minute of uh, Troy Pride Jr. doing a very, a very spot on Brian Kelly impersonation. So that was nice to see. Um, But uh, look, we will definitely know more moving forward with uh, open practices. And I think things will start to, to move in the direction that we're all looking for. So, Uh, and with that, we're going to take a, a short break here from our sponsors. And when we come back, well, we're going to talk a little Hawaiian here. So stay with us. All right. Uh, hey, some of the big news today, uh, college football, uh, Tate Martell was granted his uh, immediate eligibility for his transfer from Ohio State to Miami, uh, Miami of Florida, that is. And guys, what the fuck? It's bullshit. Uh, I mean, it's bullshit. I, I mean, mean I, look, let me just lay it out. We, so we see Justin Fields move from Georgia to Ohio State because he can't win a starting job. I mean, whatever reason he wants to give, that's the reason. And now he's moving. So he moves into Tate Martell's territory. And so now he's moving from Ohio State to Miami of Florida because he knows Fields is going to win that starting job. Yeah, Aloe Gilman, who was told one thing, the rules change at Navy, tries to get immediate eligibility in 2017, denied. What the fuck? I mean, doesn't... Go ahead, Jude. I'm sorry, Brad. Uh, the first thing is that this year has been totally different than Aloe Gilman's year, right? And so now it feels like we're giving out waivers, um, you know, like... To anyone with a lawyer. Uh, yeah, anybody who lawyers up and, you know, and they're, these lawyers are literally throwing everything against the wall. Apparently, Tate Martell's, um, you know, his his reasoning was included everything from Zach Smith to Urban Meyer's departure. Uh, this is a guy who was tweeting that he was not afraid of Justin Fields, that he welcomed the competition um, and is now is now saying, basically, uh, I need to move because I need to play. So, uh, you know, look, uh, the NCAA is frustrating about this. Um, 
I think that this is, you know, it, I, I just want Notre Dame fans to remember that this is frustrating when it happens to Shea Patterson. He's granted immediate eligibility, but we still beat his ass, right? And it's frustrating when, when Ohio State gets something that they want. Um, we, you know, Notre Dame doesn't play Miami, so um, you know that's like what whatever for Tate Martell. You know that just doesn't really affect our orbit. Um, but I do want to remind Notre Dame fans that we actually have had a couple of these go our way. Amir uh, Carlisle was granted immediate eligibility if you want to stick just to football. And uh, Jessica Shepard has had a tremendous impact on the women's basketball team, and she was granted immediate eligibility. And again, because these things are kept confidential, we never know. We never know exactly what the reason is. We can we can extrapolate in in cases um, and say, well, Carlisle's dad got a job at Purdue, so he wanted to be closer to dad. And and Eddie Vanderdose had a sick grandma, and you know we can we can kind of throw that out, but we don't know the exact reason why the NCA decides to grant waivers or not grant waivers. All we know is that they're becoming a lot more lax with this and it's becoming like a de facto free agency. And, and I'm, I'm really quite confused because I think free agency, um, I'm of two minds about this. I'm torn, right? I, I think, you know, college players are exploited and, and there's a lot of things that we could be doing for college players, but I also think free agency is chaos. Um, and, you know, and I don't like the, I don't like that you sign with a team and then your coach can leave the day after signing day. And, you know, that kind of sucks for you. Um, and you don't have that flexibility. Uh, but now it seems like if you are a superstar and you have enough money for a lawyer, maybe you do have that flexibility. So um, it's, it's nauseating. It's, it's frustrating. And it's very typical NCAA. Brad, are you adding to this? Yeah, I mean, if I find out Aunt Becky had something to do with this, I'm going to be angry. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, everything Jude said is on point. It's it's nauseating. It's angering. It's it, it's a lot of hypocrisy balled into one big situation that all we could do is sit here and talk about. And you know, you you get angry when people like Aloe Gilman aren't granted their immediate eligibility. But then, like Jude says, we've been on the right side of it a few times. So you know, here we sit. What can we do? Well, yeah, well, I mean, here's my, I guess here's what my overall take from, look, we all know the NCAA has no fucking backbone. They're cowards. They make up shit as they go. They justify one thing uh, to do one thing where they didn't do it the last. Basically, well, all they want, they're totally scared of any kind of PR machine. And that's what these lawyers basically throw at them. Where look, you know, we're going, you know, this, it's bad enough right now for the NCAA because there is that loud voice uh, of fans, of players, of, you know, all over the country that are speaking out about these guys being exploited. And it's a very complicated, it's ridiculously complicated, um, you know, kind of a subject because, you know, not every school can pay players. And you don't really want to see like an aristocracy of money happen within college sports. But at the same time, these guys are getting used for all that. So there, there has to be some kind of way. And the easiest ways are some of the ways that people keep bringing up. It's like, let these guys, you know, make money off their own name. You know, if they can make, if they go shoot a commercial, let them shoot a fucking commercial. It's their name. You know, you don't, you're ba the NCAA is basically saying that, you know, that we, we own you. 
for this entire time. And that has very negative connotations. And if you want to get political about it, it's got some serious connotations in certain communities in this country. So what they're trying to do is what I think is happening is they're going to keep their rules in place because this is, they're not going to let anybody tell them what to do. Right. That's going to be their public persona. But yet once they're just a fucking bully, but then once you step up to them and you bring a little bit of heat with that, the heat being the lawyers, they're going to fold. And this has just been a gradual, you know, a gradual thing throughout the years. And I, I, bring up Amir Carlisle, I, I think that granting was how this whole rule was supposed to work, um, you know, with hardships, stuff like that. And I, I don't know a whole lot about the Jessica Shepard um, transfer, so I can't speak to that. But everything else, just kind of a lot of the stuff that they're letting going on, uh, basically they're just saying, you know, hey, if you grab a lawyer, you can do it, but you're going to have to take that extra step for us to move. Otherwise we don't have to do anything because we don't have to face the repercussions of denying you this. So it's very complicated and it's, they're just very full of shit. They're a bunch of hypocrites and we're seeing one of the most hypocritical things that they have, you know, this month, the NCAA tournament, think of all the money that tournament generates the whole thing about the March madness naming rights. I mean, the NCAA is supposed to be non-for-profit and that's all it seems to be doing is creating profit. Uh, so I, I, in a Gilman situation, and I'm glad he, he's not silent about it because it is bullshit. You know, he went to Navy and during his time at Navy, he, the rule was that a certain rule about that they could go to the NFL. They changed that rule and his dream, his path for him is to go into the NFL. And so he did everything the right way, including what he had to do with the academy. And that's on the first day of his third year, or is it second year? Yeah, the first day of your third year, the very first day, you can drop out and with no repercussions, or you can move forward with all all the basically contracts of the country that comes with being in the military. And so he did everything the right way and I won't say being punished, but you know, he had a valid excuse for it. He wasn't going to leave Navy if they didn't change that rule. You know, I, I, as far as you can, as far as we can tell, wasn't leaving Navy until they changed that rule. So when these changes happen, you know, that's a little more, that's a lot different than saying, well, now I got to battle somebody on the depth chart. How in the hell could I do that? you know, take your pick. It, it, it's just uh, the NCAA wanting to be right in their rules, but yet not wanting to put up the fight publicly um, because they're full of shit. Just you know, a reminder I, that the NCAA is made up of their member institutions. And so if there was enough of a, a, a backlash that they would, they would respond to that, but clearly there's not right. And not at least at this point. No, everybody's to blame. It's not just the schools are as equal partners in this because of exactly what you said. So it that's what makes it so complicated because there's so many fucking moving parts. Anybody else? <laughs> I was just going to say real quick, I mean, I used to always defend the NCAA on this kind of stuff, um, but what kind of 
the straw that broke the camel's back for me was making a school vacate wins after they self-reported academic and honesty. I mean, that's that's kind of when I when the tide kind of shifted for me, and I'm just I think the NCAA is the worst run organization in the world now. Um, but the Tate Martell thing doesn't really bother me as much because we don't have Miami on the schedule again until 2024, which I was actually kind of shocked by when I looked that up earlier. Um, but I mean, like you said, the, the Alohi Gilman, you know, that, that's a perfect example. I mean, it's still, there's just so many inconsistencies here. And this is just a prime example of why I just can't stand the NCAA as an organization. Yeah. And that's, you hit it right there. Just they're so inconsistent. There's no direct path. You know, if, if there's rules in place, they're so vague and so easily sidestepped that they, the rules shouldn't even be in place. Am I, am I right? Exactly. All right. Well, I think that's all we're going to cover on that one. <laughs> it's bullshit. But <clears throat> on the same token, um, sticking with a low here. He was, he's going to leave Notre Dame after this. He's got a year of eligibility left. Anybody who has got a voice in the media is, you know, letting everybody know that this is going to be Lowy's last year. He's going to go, he's going to try to go make his bones in the NFL. So that year of eligibility, while people are saying that, you know, what's the big deal? Well, that's a year in 2017 that you could have used. You know, Georgia was a pretty close ball game. You know, Stanford was a, you know, a nightmare at the end there, but you know, you add one player like that who was talked about all season long in 2017 as a dynamic player on the scout team, you know, like that, that could have made a huge difference talking instead of the citrus bowl, you know, you're going to a new year six bowl. And on top of that all, then he's coming back this year with it at, with that whole, you know, he's got a whole nother year of experience behind him. Think of how good Alohi Gilman was last year and how excited we are to have, you know, have him this year. So we're going to be, you know, we're, we're having a Gilman that could have had one more year of experience. Uh, and I think that would have been uh, just, you know, one of those extra bits that helps the team, you know, down the stretch. And that's just. Uh, or. He had a good 2017 and a good 2018, and declares himself for the NFL draft. Right? Could have, yeah. I I don't think he would have, um, but why not? But, uh, you, everyone's saying he's got one more year, right? True, true, true. I mean, no, you got. I mean, you got a point. I thought about that, but I but then I was I thought about the the defensive back class that's in the draft right now. I think he would have been advised to come back. Um, whether he would have took that advice or not, I don't know. It would, it would have been the same timeline. Miles Boykin said he got a second-round grade from the NFL Draft Advisory Board. Like, like what a world we live in, you know? The second-round grade. Well, he did run. <laughs> Miles Boykin right now is like the biggest enigma of all time. Before he ran his 40 at the Combine, 99% of fans, maybe more than 99%, would have said that he – was too slow at wide receiver. And then he goes out and just blasts one. So, which is, I don't know. I, I just find that funny. Then now you're like, oh shit, we had that speed. <laughs> That's why we're, we're trying to uh, recruit Eric Kuma from uh, Virginia Tech, right? To replace that body and that, that production. Yeah. And the, I mean, 
But now you know, run, everyone was comparing him, saying he's the same kind of explosiveness as as Boykin, and I can say, shit, I hope so. Right. <laughs> you know, right. hell, I hope he can run a sub four or five. That'd be great. Yeah, we'll take it and, every day. And as far as that Kuma goes, that that uh, bit of noise has died down to a a subtle whisper. Uh, I don't know how uh, how much Notre Dame's in the race on that. He still has some visits to go. What's the timeline I, on that? I think his last visit is in, I, I want to say the beginning of May. Maybe it's the end of April. We're um, waiting for him so, to graduate in May. Is that the problem? Yeah, he's going to, he, <clears throat> he still has to graduate and then he'll, have, he'll be able to, to use his grad transfer. Um, but he's taking his visits. Uh, he visited us. I, I think Penn State's on that list. Texas Tech's on that list. Old Dominion? Uh, Cincinnati. Yeah, ODU. Which to me is like the biggest troll move. Uh, I, I still get a crack out, you know, crack out of that. I don't know if he's going to visit ODU though, um, but I think he had visits set for Penn State, and Notre Dame, and Cincinnati, I believe, and that was the only visits I know that he had scheduled. So, how that works out, I you know, who knows? I the last time he Kelly was approached with that, he. They they asked him kind of in a uh, a sidestep kind of a way, and he didn't give much of an answer. I don't know why I'm even bringing it up, but he, he really didn't give much of an answer other than that's what you do. So, uh, so hey, we got we got some time, and so I I told you guys we'd get back to this. Look, there were some some odds were put out there. Notre Dame apparently is going to be. 11 and a half point underdog in Athens and they're listed as an eight and a half point underdog in Ann Arbor. Who wants dibs on this one first? Nobody. Everybody yells at me about what they want. <laughs> and no one says a fucking word. It's I've just, got, I've got thoughts, but I, I, I want uh, to hear from Lino or Brad first. Um, I'll, I'll just jump on it right now. I mean, I uh, I would take both of these odds right now. I mean, 11 and a half at Georgia, a team that they – I mean, you mentioned earlier how close that game was in 2017. Granted, this time it's going to be in Georgia, but is I don't see how there can be that much of a talent gap for a team that – a Notre Dame team that was in the college football playoff last year. And the, the Michigan game I'm even more offended by because it's just like, okay – yeah, it was in week one, but you saw what happened last year in South Bend. Um, I don't really get all the – I know there's this new Michigan offense. They got the new uh, offensive coordinator from Georgia, um, but I still think there's a lot of question marks there. And eight and a half points, I mean, I, w- I would take that all day. Yeah, that's easy money to me. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a gambling man, but uh, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't offend me if it was like, two and a half, maybe. I mean, I still wouldn't necessarily agree with it. Um, but to hear that it's 11 and a half for Georgia and eight and a half for Michigan, that's just, uh, yeah, that's anybody who's listening to this, go to your, whoever your bookie is right now and uh, double your paycheck. Come on. That's easy money. Uh, I, I think I agree with Lino on the, on the Michigan thing. I'm, I'm offended. I don't, I think eight and a half is ridiculous. Um, I, ha- I honestly haven't looked at returning production, but I, off the top of my head, Rashawn Gary, Chase Winovich, and uh, Devin Bush. Bush are not returning. Um, Karan Higdon is what is still an el- academically ineligible, right? 
No, so. he's entered the draft. Oh, which which uh, Michigan running back am I thinking of that didn't make it? Chris uh, Evans, right? He's academically yeah. ineligible. Well, he's suspended indefinitely. I don't, I don't know if that's okay. academics or not. Right. So uh, eight and a half, and I I realize this is a game on the road, and we haven't been exactly beating Michigan in Michigan Stadium, but uh, eight and a half feels too large. Uh, Eleven and a half against Georgia. I mean, that one feels a little bit more legit to me. Uh, Georgia is a, a team that's stacked from head to toe. They're they're also losing people certainly, but um, they've got bit, a lot actually. of people in the a lot of people in the pipeline that are going to be great. Yeah. Um, so that one obviously that one scares the hell out of me. Um, but Michigan that just that that offends my sense. It's infuriating. It's infuriating. Brad, you you got something to say on this before before I fucking go off? I mean, I mostly I, I will deviate from the narrative a little bit. Uh, I don't think it surprised me very much. I think 11 and a half raised my eyebrows a little bit at first at Georgia. But then again, of course, that's how America's going to bet. That's the line that they're going to set. And I don't know that I disagree. Um, I'm not going to be surprised if, you know, these are close games, but I don't know that I'd put money on you know, less than 11 and a half on the road, Notre Dame unbiased and, and Ann Arbor. It's, it, I, I don't trust this team on the road. Like I don't, I would love to be pleasantly surprised. I'll be cheering for them as hard as I can, but that. I think that only those two numbers only initially raise eyebrows, but after looking at the games, I, I kind of get it, you know? Even if Michigan had brought back their entire defense, I mean, the Big Ten, I think that conference was, was a little bit of a fraud last year, if you ask me. They finally played a good team the last week of the season, and you saw what happened to them. They gave up 62 points. It was so. a good team that played in the Big Ten, though. Right, right. But that's a I lot think, of points too. Yeah, yeah. But I, but I think I think Ohio State's beaten Oklahoma if they play in the if they play in the uh, college football playoff. Like Ohio State peaks at the end of the year, they're always you know winning big games at the end of the year. I think Ohio State's a very good team. I think well, Urban's a proven end of year, right. and they're and they're coach. right. They're they're a top four to six team, and Michigan just completely folded. All right. Well, uh, I guess my one before you go off in your rant. I guess my one question is: Is USC going to even be able to field the football team in October of this year? Um, I've got real questions about that. No, I I was going to come back to USC after after the Michigan Georgia talk, but but we can we can talk about USC real quick before I go off on my Michigan rant. But uh, yeah, you know, there's all sorts of issues out there in land of Troy. It is on fire, um, and all the way around. I mean, the whole between the administration and this stupid scandal and, and the They're players leaving fires the school. Are having dumpster fires. Yeah. I mean, I was going to use a picture of a riot that they had uh, back in 2016. And I, I thought that was, might've been in poor taste uh, because there was a dumpster fire and some cops um, <laughs> that was on the Getty images. But uh, I, I held back. Um, you should have used a picture those. of Manti Teo in an IMG Academy shirt. <laughs> 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 or maybe we should use a picture of, like, uh, I don't know, a Photoshop picture of Reggie Bush uh, living it up in a in a, an apartment somewhere. But uh, you know, the, and so they're eight and a point, or Notre Dame's eight and a half point favorites uh, with USC, and I think uh, I think that might be a little low, considering the last couple of visits USC, uh, you know, to, to South Bend it has it's not been good for the Trojans. You had. Uh, couple of nice blowouts and this team isn't any better uh in fact 
they feel like they're going to be a lot worse. I think the whole team is in the transfer portal. Are they not? I think at least at least a quarter of them felt like it was. <laughs> I mean, you get you know, and they don't have a legit lock. We freak out like if one or two guys, was fake, right? What's that? I said they don't have a legit long snapper because that guy was a fake, right? Not the blind guy. I'm not. I'm not picking on Jake Olson for the record. I'm picking on the guy who tried to get into school as a long snapper. Yeah, Jake Olson should stick his dog on whoever faked that shit. <laughs> but that, I mean. And the rowing team's decimated, so, you know. And I've mentioned it in several different articles and on the podcast the last time around. People that want USC to burn to the ground and just be terrible because you hate them because of what Pete, during the what happened during the Pete Carroll era, you're missing the entire point of being Notre Dame and trying to be Notre Dame again. Notre Dame, when they were Notre Dame, didn't back down. This was a team that took on those challenges that I hate talking about the 88 season and Lou Holtz because it's just, it's too long ago. and My interest is gone, but you go back to that season and look at the teams they played. And that's like one of the greatest teams of all time. Just look at the schedule of the teams they beat. So for us to sit there and your chief rival you just want to suck the entire time so you can get an easy win. I mean, what is that? That's not college football to me. And that's not why I watch the games. I mean, if it's going to be a blowout every time, I don't know how USC fans dealt with it. I can't remember how we dealt with it when Holtz was beating their ass every year. So when you have a team, when you're an independent, you don't have a conference, you don't have a conference championship game and you need your schedule to line up, right? USC every year should be one of those. It, when they're sitting down, when Jack Swarbrick's sitting down, figuring all this shit out, USC is in that upper tier you know, of the teams on your schedule that you need to be good to show that you're, you know, you're strength of schedule, show what you can do. You need that. So for I know it's fun at all about USC melting down and because they're completely incompetent from, from top to bottom. But we need that. We need that to stop you now, guys. We we, we need you to come on back, uh, and you know start start doing things a little bit more like the old USC and make these games uh, bigger games. I mean, these make it the game that everyone is dying to see. It, it, it's just such on the back burner now in the minds of in America for sure, and even on Notre Dame fans. It's just it's your biggest rival. Yet it's not the one that's circled by a lot of fans going into the season. And uh, that's a fucking shame. And people that uh, that don't care about that, I don't care about you. Okay? Yeah, we should want it to mean something when we beat USC. It shouldn't just be a cupcake uh, win and, you know, just I mean, if Michigan accident. wants to burn to the fucking ground, good. They could go <laughs> 0 and fucking 12 for the rest of our lives, and I'll be just fine with that. That, so there is, a, there is an absolute difference there, and that's why we t- talk about the differences in the word rivalry when it comes to Notre Dame and these other schools. So, and getting back to my – I'm going to get back to this Michigan shit. Last year, what was it? I can't remember what the rankings were going into the season. All right, first game of the season, Notre Dame's ranked higher than Michigan, yet Vegas is – 
making Michigan the favorite inside Notre Dame Stadium. Notre Dame goes in there and beats the shit out of these guys. I, this, that whole one, one touchdown thing was a farce. I mean, you had a kickoff return for touchdown, which by my count, you had more than half of the, it was such an anomaly. More than half the players on the kickoff coverage team are starters on defense. I mean, Julian Love's out there. You, you don't really – towards the end of the season, of course, that, that wasn't the case. But for that game, that's what it was. You guys got missing tackles. There's an easy touchdown right there. But Notre Dame beat the shit out of Michigan. Up front, our defensive line whooped them. Shea Patterson took a hurting that night. It was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And, you know, they, they gained that respect back that night, except they kind of didn't because the talk wasn't Notre Dame beat the shit out of them. The talk after the game was that, what's up with Jim Harbaugh? So for all these people that are questioning what's up with Jim Harbaugh, he rattles off a bunch of wins against a bunch of fucking no-names, and all of a sudden he's good again, uh, according to them, and that game didn't matter. It, that was a huge insult. How, how do you take a game that matters and say it doesn't matter. And then you go into this. Michigan loses a ton. They lose a fucking ton of players. And granted, Notre Dame is losing quite a few themselves. But the same guys that were chasing Shea Patterson down and whooping his ass to the ground, they're coming back. And they'll be better. It, the, the, it's not going to get a whole lot of difference, I believe, in play. And eight and a half points is a giant amount to start off with. That's a giant amount. Even if these, and I think Michigan in a lot of people's preseason rankings, somehow they're ranked at another name. And, but it's like by, a, by one spot or maybe two. That doesn't equate. So Notre Dame is getting a total lack of disrespect by voters and by people doing odds last year, carrying right over, over this year. It's like, what can you do? Uh, you know, did you beat them 37 nothing again? I mean, I, you know, I don't know, but it's, it's an insult to me. The Georgia line is what it is. I mean, that, and I guess going back to Michigan, that's an October game, y'all. We've never played, at least in the last 100 years, that I can, or 90 years, played Michigan that late, this late in the season. So it's not our normal September first game or second game. I believe it's like October 15th, 16th, or something like that. It's 26th. They're, they're even later, October. 20th. So you're you're some games into the season then. So you know who knows by then, anyways. But there's going to be a whole different feel going on. I just think eight and a half is total shit. I, if, you, if they would have said four, even five points, I could see, I could see the reasoning. Eight and a half, that's fucking nuts. Georgia, the eleven and a half. I understand it completely. Um, it, it, they're they're going to get that respect from uh, from the from Vegas. They're going to get respect from the voters because they are ridiculously talented. Uh, they lose a ton of guys, and like Jude said, there's a ton of guys in the pipeline, and there are. Um, we may not have seen them yet, but I think we trust Georgia enough uh, as far as developing their talent and bringing up their their studs, so that they're going to be there. So that is what it is. I expect both lines regardless. And, you know, we're talking about one site here. This isn't, I've been saying Vegas 
it's not like these are Vegas, Vegas odds. Those lines are going to get, get money down anyways. I mean, shit, I'm looking right now trying to get money out to, uh, to put a bet on that eight and a half. And so it, it is what it is. But it, it is uh, to see that, that you're the same kind of underdog to Michigan as USC is to us coming in our house. Like, what the fuck? There's a way bigger difference between us and USC. You know, you know what I mean? So. I hear you. Yeah, man. Bunch of crap. All right. Well, guys, I, we, we made it through the podcast without too much. Um, there, there was some, some Y intersections. Uh, so we're going to go, we're going to finish this thing off with uh, how we do it every week with the sound off. and. Lay it on me. Um, we'll just start. Uh, let's start with our our esteemed guest, and uh, very grateful that you came on, Lino, tonight and talked a little hockey. That was uh, not only informative, but it's got me jacked up for this weekend. So uh, we'll start with you. Uh, what are you sounding off? Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm grateful for you guys having me. Do appreciate again. Uh, so wanted to sound off a little bit here on another Notre Dame sport that I think gets overlooked a little bit. And uh, that's baseball. I want to give a shout out to the baseball team this past weekend. Uh, for those who didn't see the article on OneFootDown.com, they got revenge on Clemson from what happened in the college football playoff. Took two of three on the road. Uh, that's their second series win in a row. So very excited. Notre Dame now uh, eight and ten, four and two in the ACC, which is huge. Um, I was very excited when Notre Dame did join the ACC for baseball because you got a lot of good baseball programs there in the ACC. Uh, North Carolina's been really good. Florida State, Clemson, the, the team that Notre Dame just snacked off this uh, past weekend. So uh, great series for the Fighting Irish. And, um, you know, if, you, if you're out there and, uh, uh, Josh, you've talked recently about how the success of the Notre Dame hockey team lately has gotten you back into hockey. Uh, I would definitely invite our listeners to give college baseball a chance because it's pretty exciting. I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty big baseball fan myself. Um, my major league team kind of stinks right now. I'm a Tigers fan, but uh, I love uh, watching Fulmer. college baseball. Oh, yeah. That's, I'm still uh, – I, I, I begged for the Tigers to trade him two years ago, but I don't, I don't want to get too much into that because I'll have a uh, Michigan-esque rant like, <laughs> like the one that you just had a few minutes ago. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, I think that our, uh, our listeners should give it a shot. And especially this time of the year when, you know, major league baseball hasn't really started yet. Uh, it's, it's pretty entertaining stuff there. You know, I'm a big fan of the college world series. I look forward to it every year. And, uh, it's been 17 years since the Irish have been there, but hopefully it's not too much longer until they get back. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, Brad, let's, uh, let's swing it over to you. Sure. Uh, what do you uh what do you got for us tonight? I just wanted to point out since we were talking hockey tonight and Lena was nice enough to come on and talk hockey with us. Uh 2013 was a very special year. The uh we we talked about the CCHA, the uh final year of existence for the CCHA. I just wanted to point it out. It was 2013 the Miami Redhawks won the I regular season championship. <laughs> and yeah, uh, that was a thing and then the uh, tournament was actually won by the Notre Dame Fighting Irish that year. So uh, that's where my heart lies as far as college hockey is concerned, 2013. Um, and Miami, actually, we fired our coach today. Today, Enrico Blasi got the ax as our coach of uh, Miami Red Hawk hockey. So it was a good run with Enrico. We, we uh, won the CCHA, won the Big Ten, 
Never got the national championship, though, so it was time to move on. Thoughts and prayers. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. A lot of good times. <laughs> Pouring one out. How did I know that was coming up? Uh, Judah, uh, what, what do you got for us? Tomorrow is Notre Dame Pro Day. Uh, 17 former Notre Dame players are going to be uh, participating in Pro Day, uh, some of which you saw during the uh, NFL Combine earlier this month. Um, the recently announced that the quarterbacks coach for Notre Dame, Tommy Reese, or Tom Reese, if you prefer, or Tom Kevin Reese, if you prefer, uh, will be throwing to such luminaries as Miles Boykin, uh, Alze Mack, Nick Wisher, and of course, my boy, Corey Holmes, uh, coming back uh, <laughs> to make his big splash and decimate everybody's eyes with his 40 time. Um, I, I just want to give a shout out to to Tom or Tommy. Uh, he, he responded. Reasus, if you please. Reasus, if you please, yes. He, he responded to a Matt Freeman tweet uh, about the announcement that he'd be throwing tomorrow saying, a uh, good thing there's no defense to throw it to. Hashtag TT, which uh, you know you may you may interpret as turnover, Tommy. But I am the the internet internet's foremost uh, Tommy Rees apologist, and so I choose to uh, consider that touchdown, Tommy. So uh, thank right. you, Tom Rees, for all you did as quarterback and all you continue to do. And I look forward to you uh, dropping dimes in Corey Holmes's hand and uh, getting him a mini camp invite with a uh, NFL pro team. Excellent, excellent. And I'll tell you what, uh, I dropped a ton of Reza's stuff on Twitter today, right? And guess who follows me shortly thereafter? Not the son, but the father. Ooh. Uh, Tommy's dad ended up following me after a flurry of uh, of old Reza's pictures uh, surfaced. And uh, man, love you, Tommy. You are a a legend forever. all right, and so everybody's had some fun, and I guess mine isn't so fun, but uh, it's important. And if you're a Notre Dame fan, if you're an alum, um, if you're a Subway alum and, and you're, you're thinking about why you love not just the football program, but the university, there's a movie coming out, April 26th, Hesburg the movie. Uh, it's a, a kind of a, a biopic and yet so much more about Father Ted. and. Uh, it was announced just a couple of weeks ago. Um, as far as the, the date, there's a trailer. I got it up on the site. And I tell you what, it looks amazing. If you, if you don't know anything at all about Father Ted, make sure you watch this movie uh, somehow, some way. And if you think you know everything there is about Father Ted, watch it again. It's going to make you feel good that there's actually human beings on this earth that were as genuine and as good as, as what he is. His, Life was just absolutely extraordinary, um, and it it really sets the stage of why is Notre Dame so special. And it boils down to the collective, right? But individual efforts, such as what Father did, Father Ted did there for thirty five years and even beyond, um, has just been incredible. So make sure, in some way or form, you try to check that movie out, learn more about it. Uh, I think you'll find it enjoyable. You'll find it enlightening and i really can't wait all right well thanks everybody again for joining us thanks you know uh, for coming on board look y'all it is uh it's busy season hockey's in the tournament women's hoops we're like i said we're hoping to have matt green on next week uh we're going to talk about some women basketball uh but check the site out there's always stuff popping up 
Um, go to onefootdown.com and check out our social sites. Go to you know Twitter at One Foot Down, our Facebook page. Hell, we even got a Pinterest page. If you didn't know about it, we do. Uh, and Instagram uh, at One Foot Down SPN. We're kind of all over. A lot of it's the same, but some of it's not. So get your Easter eggs while you can. Um, and on top of that, please rate and review this the podcast. Uh, we're asking if you if you listen to this on whatever you use, um, you know, give us a little bit of a rating. It's on the site. Leave us a comment. What you like, what you don't like. Um, right now, there's not a whole lot of complaining, so I'm taking that as uh, as acceptance. You know, silence is. <laughs> so thanks again, and uh, from all of us to you, go Irish. Eating it, Elias.